Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to another fabulous episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. And today we're joined by two of the leaders from Team Murph. Mike Say, how are you doing? Outstanding, Drew. How are you? Fantastic. Eric Ortiz, how are you doing? Living the dream. Right. You say that. But now we're about to ask you questions and grill you. Awesome. Yeah, very good. I you know, grew up in a, a small town just northeast of Detroit, Michigan, and uh, I joined Domino's Pizza in 2010, but started delivering pizzas actually, believe it or not, 19 years ago last week for a small company called Hungry Howie's Pizza and uh, absolutely fell in love with the business then and continue to do so today. Have done every position inside of a pizza shop. CSR, driver, system manager, general manager, district manager, business consultant, operations director, and uh, and now you know currently have the, the privilege and the honor of leading Team Murph as its president, and <clears throat> absolutely continuing to grow and uh, and lead, and you know just have the the honor to uh, to interact with a ton of really wonderful folks each and every single day. Well, Eric, how about you? A little, little different. Uh, so my whole family has worked for Domino's at some point um, over the last like 35 years. Um, and so I joined the cult in 2010 um, as a wobble boarder out in Puerto Rico, where we lived at the time. Um, and then when I moved to the States uh, for college, um, I joined up with a franchisee in New Jersey um, got recruited into the People Pipeline program with corporate, worked my way up the ladder there, um, mostly in New York City or the East Coast side. Um, eventually became a, a franchise business consultant where I met, um, supported here in San Antonio, supported Alan Murph, and um, kept, kept on my corporate journey for a few more years after that. And then eventually came back to San Antonio to be the director of ops here with Team Murph, where we operate 70 of the 105 locations that we own. And so we're just uh, we're just out here rocking it out every day. Love it. Thanks, Eric. Eric, I think you said um, you joined the cult, not the company. Is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about that and, and your perspective on that. And, and I think I also heard that uh, the entire family is involved. So uh, a little bit of nepotism to get you in. Is that what happened? <laughs> That's funny. I'll address the second one in a, in a second. But, uh, you know, the cult thing, um, you know, there was that video that used to go around the we're not normal video, if you remember that. And they, they talk about like the pizza sauce and the veins and the dudes like jumping over the dog and the puppy to get to their delivery and stuff. And uh, all that stuff is just not it's just not normal, man. It's weird, you know. And so uh, so that that's why I say I joined the cult, because it's it's a little bit more than a company. I feel like it's, it's really a, a passion that you have to have. And you got to be a little bit crazy um, to work here and to make it to make it all make sense. Um, and to really execute at a high level, um, it, it's a certain level of obsession that you have to have. So um, that, that's kind of why I call it the cult. And that's a little bit 
I'm joking a little bit, obviously, when I say that, but uh, kind of. And, you know, as far as the nepotism thing, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, my, my, da- my dad started with Domino's like 35 years ago, um, started as a pizza driver and, um, you know, worked his way up in, in, through the company. And he's, he's actually a, a VP now um, for corporate on the East Coast and, uh, you know, still, still been with corporate for over 30, 30 years now. Um, and, uh, you know, did he get me into the pipeline program? I, I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> I guess we'll never really know. But, you know, uh, I li- I'd like to believe I tried. It sounds like we do know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he, he definitely didn't keep me here for 13 years. That that uh, that was just my own my own desires and passion and, and hard work, um, I feel like. But definitely it doesn't hurt having a couple of mentors around the family barbecues every every year or so. Right. Definitely. Definitely helps move you along for sure. I think both Drew and I have spent quite a lot of time uh, with your dad and, and just a fantastic asset for the brand. More. Got a big fan club. We like them. So you mentioned the cult factor and probably before your time, we had a joint promotion with Kool-Aid, believe it or not. So uh, that, that, that starts to make more sense to me now that you, you call Domino's a cult. I, I see why we're serving up the Kool-Aid, as they say. Sauce in your veins, though, sounds like a cult. It's just one of those lines, right? It is, for sure. Uh, Mike, I heard you say that uh, you guys have crossed the 100-store mark. Congratulations. Would you mind sharing with our listeners some of the challenges or successes you've had in this uh, recent growth? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We had recently acquired about eight years ago now the Nashville, Tennessee market. And there were multiple different operators at one point in time that operated Nashville. Corporate tried their hand at Nashville. And then we had a a couple other large franchisees that had that as a remote market. And nobody really was able to take that market to the heights that it needed to go and you know, really needed to, to roll up our sleeves and get dirty. And just show people that we freaking cared, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we are a people company that happens to sell pizza. And people just need to know that one, you care about them. Uh, two, you're there to support them. And three, you know, you're not at home drinking margaritas while everybody's out there grinding on a Friday night. You know, everybody is absolutely invested in the mission and in the cause. And, you know, we were able to finally start seeing some successes just before the pandemic. The pandemic was its own hurdle that I think everybody had to go through and clear. And you know, we actually were able to rally the troops and grow stronger, uh, grow tighter, and really be able to weave in kind of the fabric of the operating model and success that uh, that Team Murph is known for uh, in that market, which we haven't been able to do before. And, uh, you know, really was kind of the launching pad for the continued success and the continued growth. And I'll be honest with it, Drew, you know, we got a ton of world-class people. And, you know, I live by the mantra of, you know, surrounding myself with people smarter than myself. And, you know, Eric is certainly one of those individuals. Uh, I've got a couple of other operations directors out there that are also the same. And then we all have the privilege of working with Alan Murph every single day, who uh, who absolutely is kind of our our shining star and our, our guiding light and our beacon. And then recently, as of two weeks ago now, we had the opportunity to pick up some contiguous stores here in the Texas market. And you know, Eric and team here in Texas, you know, they were able to post up you know above average OA scores. 
the people piece was there, the operations piece was there, and uh, and the profitability piece was there as well, which put us in a really good position to be able to acquire some additional stores and lay out a really solid foundation for folks to be able to jump into. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it goes back to our mission statement of being industry and brand leaders in people, product, and process. And I think those three things, uh, while an alliteration, a launching pad, and foundational to the success of being able to continue to grow. But you, Eric, how did the growth affect you and your team? Probably a little bit more directly than Mike. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, look, we, you know, we added um, you know a, a good number of units there to our portfolio, and we, we acquired them at thirty percent TBDs, which is a tough. Uh, environment to to acquire, um, but I'm happy to say that in two weeks we have zero TBDs. So you know I don't I don't know too many organizations that can can grab a, you know a purchase of this size, um, you know, and, and pretty quickly um, get GMs in every store, start pushing the staffing, really start pushing you know the process and systems, and and just really embracing the team to let them know like, hey, we've got your best interests at heart. And things are going to be okay, and we're gonna we're gonna move forward, and and every day is is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but um, we're here to help, and we're going to overcome. And so I think it's been it's it's been a, a really fun, um, hard two weeks, but uh, but you know anything anything in life worth doing is hard, right? So like I'm I'm all for it. So it's been it's been awesome. We like to make sure that uh, our people know that they're supported, um, and so that the same the same. Uh, press full court press with these new stores is making sure that they feel supported. Eric, you mentioned when you took over the market, you were at 30% TBDs. I think we've got a lot of listeners out there that that are a lot newer to the business that we are. And one of the things that Drew and I are really big on is is trying to keep our TLAs to a minimum, keeping those three letter acronyms to a minimum so that people understand what we're talking about. So tell the listeners out there what you mean when you say 30% TBDs and and then more so what you did to eliminate those TBDs. Great question there. And, and, and uh, you know, to clarify for the listeners, TBDs is to be determined, which just essentially what I'm referencing there is of the units that we acquired here two weeks ago, 30% of those stores did not have a general manager in place. And so either they were just plugging holes away or district managers were, um, were running those ships essentially to, to keep the stores open. Um, and so what what we've done is, well, luckily, we already had a pretty deep bench here in place just because of the training programs that we have in place with pizza colleges. We have a world class uh, training program led by Jen Colbinson, who is our um, director of store support um, and, and runs that training program. But just full pressing on, on that training program, we, we had you know a pretty deep bench of assistant managers or ready assistant managers. We were able to grab these stores, talk to some of our people about moving. We relocated a few folks because, you know, some of these stores are a little bit further away than our core, our core group of stores. We selected a couple of folks that we thought had some, some runway to growth um, and offered them a relocation and they took it. Um, and so, um, so we were able to, to fill the holes that way. Um, but we would not have been in a position where we would have had even people to offer those, those opportunities to if we didn't have the bench that we had. And, and again, it has to do with our, our pizza colleges, our world-class training program that we have here. Um, led by our awesome training team um, that that helps us uh, grow and develop our managers where, you know, we can grab people basically off the street as long as you've got a smile and, and a good attitude. I mean, and within, you know, six months to a year, 
you can be a general manager of one of our units through that training program. So that, that's pretty much how we did it. Excellent. Anything to add to that, Mr. Say? No, I already hit it dead on. Um, you know, again, I think everything comes down to having the right people in the right place at the right time. And, you know, we didn't just go in there willy nilly, assuming that they had everything locked and loaded. You know, we trained and developed and we had people on that bench ready to rock and roll. And that's part of our mantra is making sure that we're constantly having somebody ready to go. I love the fact that you set me up for a segue because my legit next question was, I understand you guys have a killer training program led by an awesome (laughs) trainer. (laughs) So why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about Pizza College? Sure. Yeah. So we have levels in our pizza college. So folks that start off with us as CSRs or delivery drivers, day one in our new team member orientation class, we give everybody a roadmap on here's day one and here's where you can become, whether it's the president of the company or whether it's a franchisee and every level in between and how long it takes to get there. And you know exactly what's necessary and needed to be able to get there, right? So we show them the, the how uh, they need to have the discipline, the focus, and and the wherewithal to be able to help get them there. We can't want it more than they want it to be able to get there. But we have Pizza College Level One. It's our entry level Pizza College where we teach basic product skills and make sure everybody understands the core foundation of our business and making them around, getting them in the oven and getting them out the door and what great product looks like and how to execute a shift. They cannot run a shift for us until successfully completing Pizza College Level 1. And then Pizza College Level 2 goes into a little bit more of the fundamentals of the business, how to make a great schedule, how to make a great food order, more of the the back-end side of the business. And then Pizza College Level 3 is our more advanced class. And you almost look at it as undergrad, grad, and then, you know, your master's program here. And this is where we teach folks to be elite business leaders uh, in the Domino's Pizza universe and trying to get folks to wrap their head around the P&L and, and understanding, you know, how the, the throughput works on a P&L and, and that, you know, sales and, and stuff all flows through and what the expenses are, what's controllable, what's not controllable, what EBITDA is. And, uh, and how that actually impacts the store and the business as a whole. They have to graduate Pizza College 3 before we then say, hey, this person is an assistant manager in our organization and is somebody that's next up and, and ready to take on a store. So we give them you know, a ton of, of TLC prior to ever getting the opportunity to go run a store. And you know, we pride ourselves in, in promoting from within. And I think that's a, a really core piece of our success model is you can't just come in off the street with, you know, 10 years of experience and say, I'm a GM, I've been a GM, I'm going to be a GM and step into a store for us and be a GM. You know, you gotta, you gotta be, we call it team Murphified. You gotta become team Murphified. You gotta learn our systems, our processes, uh, and and understand, you know, at a, at a more deep level here of really what it takes to, to run a store. You mentioned a few times in there that we teach, we teach, we teach. It doesn't sound like you're using a lot of online. So Eric, how does that uh, impact you? Are you scheduling AMs? Because it sounds like it's a lot of in classroom. It is a lot of in classroom. Um, we do we do balance it with some some digital training. We use HPYU um, or Learning Hub or whatever it's called now. Um, and so we do we do use some of that. Most of our uh, our uh, in store like driver CSR training is actually done um, through the computer through the Learning Hub. 
the like three day onboarding, a lot of the CSR training, it'll be done that way. And then obviously there's on the job training that's additional to the videos. Um, and then we also use the uh, manager development program, MVP classes that are on learning hub as well um, for our management team, but nothing, nothing is going to ever take the place of our in-person classes. Those are critical. We feel like for our success and, you know, all in, I mean, when we look at the three levels of class, you're looking at, I don't know, 50 hours of in-person class, um, time that it takes between, you know, somebody getting promoted into the management program up to general manager, probably about 50 hours of total in class time. And, you know, going back to the, we, we teach, um, I think that's a critical thing that you hit on there, Drew, because you know, Mike says, we, we, it's literally, we, I mean, it, it's Mike, it's me, it's Jen, it's Patrick, it's Jeff, it's Stephanie. It's, it's all of the, the leaders on our team that are in that classroom committing their time. And it's not only them, but we have, you know, uh, I think what 17 district managers. Um, and those district managers are also a part of the, the training. And not only they are required to be there to do the training for the pizza colleges, we bonus them on training. So, you know, there's a lot of heavy emphasis here in our company um, around getting our, our people trained. And so we are fully committed to those 50 hours, um, you know, through their quote unquote lifetime um, of training and training never really ends. There's always going to be more, but that required training, it, it's those 50 hours and it's critical. I think you'd have a hard time finding that, uh, that we disagree with, in-person training. We kind of are fans <laughs> of in-person training as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would be all in on that. Mike, something to add? Yeah. One additional element that we layered in starting last year was a, a class called Coach. So we've done a lot of heavy lifting on the hard skills and the training and the development on the hard skills, how to make pizzas, how to create schedules, uh, how to create great food orders. Uh, the one thing that we had probably the biggest opportunity on and we had a, a real big aha moment early last year was we need to teach people the soft skills in the business and how to be leaders of leaders and be able to lead people and how to have engaging conversations. Think about all the hats that our management teams need to wear out there. Their moms, their dads, their uncles, their aunts, their psychiatrists, you know, they're, they're operators as well. But the operator hat is just worn a fraction of the time. And how can we help folks diagnose situations, engage in impactful and critical conversations with some of these team members? You know, every manager that represents our organization is an extension of us. And, you know, they lead by our core values, they lead by our mission, they lead by our purpose, but they also need to be able to engage in those soft skill conversations to be able to effectively help navigate some of these journeys and some of these paths that some folks are in in our organization and you know, we needed to arm them better and equip them better with some soft skill development and you know that art form has really crafted uh, a new better dynamic leader at every level in management in our organization and is that the the dfa coach program modified it emurfified i should say sure yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I think that the uh, the soft skills are much more important and much harder to learn than the things that you actually do inside the four walls. I mean, I think if you've got anybody that has a willingness to learn, teaching somebody how to make a pizza, teaching somebody how to make a schedule, teaching somebody how to make a food order, those are the easy things. Those are the things that you can have a checklist and those are the things that are very easily quantifiable. But when you talk about the soft skills, that's what separates the great operators from the operators that are good pizza makers. 
And that's it. Absolutely. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Are you guys listeners of the podcast? You can say no. It's okay. We understand. No, I, I, I've listened to probably two dozen of the, like, I think you guys have like 85 episodes or something like that. I think that's bonus points right there, Drew, just for him knowing how many we have. Is that right? I don't know. I just, I just guessed kind of, but I think that's about right. Yeah. You're in the neighborhood. Yes. Yeah, I've listened to probably, um, you know, I'll tell you that like I'll, being a hundred percent transparent, the ones that attract me are the ones when you guys have special guests. So I've listened to a lot of the ones that you guys have had special guests. Those are the ones that uh, really um, kind of draw me. Um, so I haven't heard the newest one that just came out with Trier. I think there, I think it was a two-parter. I heard one. Um, I heard the first one, which I thought was was pretty good. Um, you know, I've heard the one with McKenna. Heard the the Carrie Heyman ones. Don May um, Doyle when he was on. Heard that. So yeah, I've heard I've heard a few of the podcasts for sure. We've been fortunate to have some. Uh some pretty good guests and and that's continuing on this episode if i if i do say so myself oh thanks <laughs> yeah i was surprised when drew hit me up i was like man you're gonna you're gonna dude, make us blush yeah i was podcast. like man i feel so good <laughs> to be considered thank you <laughs> you know i figured why not but so i i didn't ask about the podcast to just put you on the spot i mean of course there's a little bit it was actually exactly where he went with that was the Don May one because we just had Don and carry on and he talked about raise the wage first and train the team. And I think if I remember correctly, you guys did something like that. Would you be willing to talk to our listeners about how you may have jumped on the wage bandwagon earlier than some of the other folks around you? Nashville was a, an interesting market for us. As I, I mentioned earlier, we had to do something unique and something different. Than, uh, than I think anything that we've ever historically done. And I think one of the things that you know, we could have fallen victim to is just to say, hey, we're a large organization operating in multiple markets. Let's just cookie cutter because it's easy. And let's do the same thing we're doing here, there. And we would have fallen flat on our face. We needed to pull a, a trick out of the hat. We needed to try something different. Uh, we, we've been given the autonomy to be able to try something to see if it'll work. And you know, we raised the wages. We doubled what the minimum wage was in the state of Tennessee uh, about a year and a half ago now, uh, just to try to be the employer of choice from a financial standpoint that just like absolutely just hit it hard in our marketing and recruiting campaigns to say, hey, this dollar mark, this dollar figure, very attractive. Look at me, come see us and at least get folks engaged in the process. What we found out through it all is that uh, the wage, while attractive and will get people in the door, it does not substitute a great work environment and does not say, hey, I'm going to stick around for that, right? Our great managers were able to attract and, and keep new great talent. Uh, our managers that had some opportunity still had the same turnover challenges that we always had, regardless of what the wage rate was. Did we need to raise wages? Absolutely. Did we need to raise wages as egregiously as we did to try? Probably not. <laughs> Hindsight being 2020, we were probably a little more aggressive than we needed to be. But again, we weren't afraid to go out on a limb and, and take a risk and try it, right? We, we kept being told, hey, you need to raise it, you need to raise it. So, hey, cool, Let, let's try it. Let's do it. Let's do something. 
uh, let's try to, to figure out a solution. Because again, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We just, we just couldn't get stuck in the rut of saying we can't do it. There's, there's no, we can't do it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to try stuff and we can always then take a tactical pause and reroute our action and come up with a different solution. But again, I, I think to your point, the wage, we were, we were front and center on that and we made the adjustments needed, but it, it definitely did not replace good leadership in the store and the same challenges that we had at, uh, at our underperforming stores at you know, seven bucks an hour were the same challenges that we had at 14 dollars an hour. I think that can't be stressed enough because I'm sure there are people listening to the podcast that say, I just heard Mike say, if I raise my wages, my problems will be solved. And Drew and I, I think, are both big believers that you've got to be competitive and it would be great if you're towards the top end of it. But like you said, Mike, if you don't have the leadership skills in place, you can't buy a team. You can't just wage your way to success. And I would say as well, if you look in almost any town in the United States and looked at whose banner had the highest wage on it, you would likely find the highest turnover as well. Without a doubt. Yeah, I think people need and want to be led, no matter who they are. Sam, Drew, Eric, me, Alan. I think everybody at their foundation, at their core, need and want to be led. And what you do and don't do, and what you say and don't say every single day absolutely matters. You walk past something, you said something, whether you, you meant to or not. Um, whether you approach something, tactically how you approached it, said something about you or didn't say something about you. Literally, as leaders in an organization, what you do and don't do and what you say and don't say absolutely matters whether you think someone else is paying attention or not. I just like that that story because I, I knew that you guys had raised the wage back from when you and I talked a couple of times and Eric and I talked a couple of times and then that previous guy, some Craig Weiss something had talked a couple of times. So I knew that you had done that. But I also know from talking to Don how he was so crystal clear that you raised the wage and you got to come in on the backside to keep them there. I just love the fact that you guys were, were right down that same path 18 months ago now where, you know, pizza college, we have a lot of folks on that talk about how they have a training program and have a training system. I hope that some of the listeners have a chance to see what it is you guys really mean, because what you're saying sounds like a training system somebody else has, but pizza college is not it. Like it's so much more and so much different than what a lot of other franchises have. So you have that wage hike, you have the pizza college piece. It, it creates that, that moment where you can do all of the other things like buy more stores and go past a hundred stores. So it's, it's like, it's all of these foundational pieces that let you get to where you're going. And you know, Drew, something else that Mike didn't mention is we have uh, increases for our management team is worked into or tied into their attendance to pizza college. So, um, but there's two sides of it. It's, it's the gaining the knowledge and then the execution of it. So we have also evaluations that are tied in with the pizza colleges. So when our managers, you know, let's say it's a shift leader, a team leader, a general manager in training level one, they go to pizza college one, they get those foundational skills that they learn, uh, but then they have to go back to the store and they have to prove it. They have to prove it out. And then, you know, a district manager or their general manager will come in, do an evaluation and they pass that evaluation. Boom, they get an increase. So the value, you know, I think about an employee value proposition kind of chart. We always talk about customer value proposition and how PSI, you know, product service images is tied in there. 
Well, if you look at the employee value proposition side, training culture, right? And, and, and wage is all a part of that equation. And the worse your training is, the worse your culture is, the more you got to pay. And if you can find a way to balance that equation where pay is being tied into a higher level of execution around, around the training and a better culture, then it all starts to move in the right direction, right? But if, if, the, if the equation is unbalanced, either you're going to pay too much for not as great uh, quality of work, right? Or you're going to keep paying too little and, and you're not going to get quality work anyway. So it all has to kind of match up. Um, to really get the best, not only the best value for the employee, um, but then also for us as a, as a company, as a business, we want to get the best value as well. So earlier on, you guys had mentioned your culture, and I think I typed it in right as industry and brand leaders and people, pizza, and process. Did I get that right? Close. Close. Almost Close. there. <laughs> people, product, process. Again, an alliteration here that's foundational in our continued growth and success. Again, you got to have great people to make great products. And then you got to be able to have great processes to be able to continue to, to lead the charge and give them an operating plan that they can, can continue to grow with. Uh, it's absolutely critical. So as you think about people, product, and process, you could probably imagine some of the things that revolve around our world. One is, is a, a perfect product culture, right? We do cut tests Thursdays. Uh, we're doing top Thursdays right now. Yeah. Uh, we're very active in crew where all of the teams are taking pictures and, and sending photos in of their pizzas. You know, we, we champion great product, right? Whether it's going into the oven, whether it's coming out of the oven, whether it's going out and, and hitting heat rack before every leaves on a delivery. And it's not just the manager. Every single person in our store is committed to having great product. If it's a crap product going into the oven, guess what's going to come out of the oven? Crap product, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not right going in, hey, then we don't have a magic fairy in the middle of the oven yet that's going to fix it for you. It's going to be crap coming out, right? So we got to make sure every single person is committed to that great product culture right out of the gates. Uh, and again, great people with Pizza College, you name it. We, we focus on our people. We champion our people. We try to celebrate as many wins as we possibly can with our people. We have a team member of the period. Uh, each DM area you know, champions somebody inside of their stores that's not in management on something great that happened uh, over the course of that last period. They get pins. Uh, we got communication boards in our stores where all of their pictures get plastered up there with a you know a little blurb about you know why they were selected and nominated. Again, we do things like our DMs do driver ride-alongs with uh, with drivers in the stores just to figure out what's going on and uh, you know some things that may not necessarily be things folks want to talk about inside the store. They may feel more comfortable talking one-on-one -on, -one on a delivery. And it's twofold, right? We get to see how safe they're driving. And then we also get to see and kind of hear about what may be going on in their world or inside of the store that we may not necessarily see on, on our visit. Um, and then the process piece is absolutely critical because you got to be able to have some scalability, right? And as we've continued to grow, we've had to continue to refine our processes to say, hey, this made sense at 50 stores. And we had to tweak it to, to this to get to 70 stores. And then we had to tweak it to this to get to 105 stores. That what got us here won't necessarily get us there. And if you sit on a process for too long and say, hey, that was successful at some point in time or to get us to here, 
and say that's just has to organically continue to work, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. And you know, I think there's a, a couple of C words that that come to mind that uh, that really derail uh, innovation, growth in an organization, and, and complacency is one of them. You know, I I, I get concerned about complacency. <laughs> I don't know what Drew thought I was going to say with the C word, but uh, but complacency is certainly one of them. <laughs> so I'm giving the, the hey, we got to edit this one out. Um, but complacency is certainly one of them. I think you know, too many folks get complacent in the day to day and say, hey, I'm I'm doing okay, I'm making it, and they lose that hunger in their belly, they lose that passion, they lose that drive, they they lose that willingness and ability to, to go out there and stay hungry and get after it and, and challenge somebody else. You know, the more mentors folks can have in their lives, the more folks of encouragement instead of discouragement and bringing people down that can get out there and get shared like this podcast. You know, you guys are doing a great thing and continuing to build people up and uh, and bring resources and access to folks that may not necessarily get it otherwise. And it's, uh, it's stuff that people really need to hear to continue to stay motivated, stay hungry, and continue to get after it. And, you know, that's something I think that's really cool about the Domino's brand is that literally you can start anywhere in the organization and get to whatever height your heart desires. And it's all about your work ethic, your drive, and your willingness to evolve and change. And it doesn't necessarily matter about your mental ability but your availability, your dependability, and your reliability are probably three abilities that are maybe more important and more impactful than your mental ability. And being able to, to rise above and, and be just a really successful determined operator. Mike, I wanna I wanna back up to something you said just a minute ago, because in an earlier episode, there's a chance Drew and I had a debate. Uh. So in this particular debate, we each took a side and wanted to know which one was more important. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand that we both know that both of these things are important. But if you had to choose one, which one would you say is more important? And based on what you just said, I I think I won the debate. Yes, you did. Um, But that (laughs) withstanding, if you had to choose to go into a store that was facing a service problem, and a product problem, which one do you think is more detrimental to the customer experience? I'm going to let Eric answer this one. <laughs> I'll piggyback on him. I think product is super critical. Obviously, one of our core values, right? So set up for that. Speaking of C words, right? Um, you know, we believe here that consistency creates culture. There's three C words for you. Um, so, you know, we believe consistency creates culture. And and, and Mike mentioned something about um, one of our processes that we use to, to make sure product is excellent, which is, is cut test Thursdays. And you know some of the listeners, they might've heard like, oh yeah, cut test, I do cut tests, right? Um, but what our success is with the cut test is that we do it every single Thursday, every single Thursday, every single Thursday, my phone is blowing up with 70 photos of cut tests being done across my market. Um, every single Thursday, right? And so, and it's been going on since I've been here, which is about 18 months. So as you can imagine, I have thousands of cut test pizza photos, um, you know, in my phone. Um, but that's why that's why our product scores have been so good. And that's why product, you know, it, again, product is top of mind is critical because that's that's what the customer is paying for at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, it's a core value for us and, and it's a process that that we are executing uh, all the time. We're trying to make sure that we have consistent product over and over and over again. So 
My answer is product. I think, I guess <laughs> Sam won on that. I, I definitely go with product. Eric, that is beautiful. But Mike, go ahead and pile on. Let's just bury Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, sorry Drew. But uh, yeah, listen, it's not just product. It's consistent product. And, and that's key. Um, you need to make it great and you need to make it great every single time. You know, I think consumers out there are more gracious. I don't know. I, I think they're more willing to say, hey, they're 15 minutes late, but hey, they're not willing to accept, hey, they're five minutes late with a poor product. If you show up 15 minutes late with a great product, as opposed to five minutes late with a, or five minutes early with a perfect product, I think they're more willing to accept and come back much quicker to you because you delivered exactly what they wanted to see and what they wanted to taste. And I know I do. I know my family does. They eat with their eyes first. If it doesn't look great, most likely it's not going to taste great. Even if it does taste great, your perception is is that that pizza doesn't taste great. You know, it's got to look great and it's got to taste great, but it's got to be consistently delivered with consistent great product. And certainly we'd all agree that both of those things are important. We, we shouldn't choose one. But um, Drew, in case you missed it, if you had to choose one, it would be product. Yeah. <laughs> Keep piling on, Sam. I knew I was in trouble. I still brought it up. <laughs> I knew exactly what was going to happen. I had to give you the softball, Sam. It's fine. All right, gentlemen, we've actually come to the end of our time. Is there anything you'd like to add for our listeners before we let you go? I, what everybody listening does on a day-to-day basis absolutely matters and is absolutely impactful. And you, know, you can train product service image all day. You can't train people to care or to want to do good. Um, you know, the good news is I think if folks are listening to this podcast, they at least have the willingness and the wants to grow and to be better. And uh, I just I gotta say, you know, just stick, stay the course. What you're doing matters. You're impacting lives every single day. There are folks that look up to you. There are folks that depend on you, and there are folks that absolutely rely on you to be there, to be a solvent, strong leader. And uh, and again, whatever you do, do with purpose and passion. Or just don't freaking do it at all. Don't waste people's time. Do it with purpose. Do it with passion and be all in. Be all in when you're at work and be all in at home when you're at home. Train people that they don't need to call you on your day off. They're going to be better off and you're going to be better off. But train your people and do it with purpose and passion. That's very well said. And while you were saying it, you couldn't see it because Eric was in the background. But he had his hand over his heart like you were giving the Pledge of Allegiance. It was, it was just amazing. Hey, occasionally on our podcast, we will um, talk about books that we think will help people become better leaders. Uh, what are you gentlemen reading? I don't read too much, but I can tell you that, you know, the books that I would I would tell people to read um, if they had if they had the time to read and they, they wanted to get ahead. Um, is I, I would read, you know, the one minute manager is an immediate book that I, I, I've made, you know, multiple leaders in my, in my lifetime, uh, read, I've read it multiple times. Um, you know, and an- another book that I really love is called made to stick. It's a pretty older book, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's really about the power of influencing, um, and how to get your ideas to, to just, uh, really get them across the finish line. Um, so love, love that book as well. I read a, a Dr. Seuss book this morning for my daughter. <laughs> uh, I, I recommend just about any and all of them. Redfish, Bluefish. 
Okay, I highly recommend green eggs and ham. Yeah, that, I mean, that one's okay. One fish, two fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one book that I will uh, I will throw out there, and it was actually referred by uh, by your very own Drew Helmholtz is uh, Atomic Habits, and you know, really kind of making you dissect what you do, why you do, how you do, when you do, and it's uh, it's a very introspective book on 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 you. And uh, and about why people do what they do, and uh, that was uh, that was a really good read, and I appreciate Drew for for adding that one to my library. My pleasure. We we got that uh, highly recommended from a, a previous guest. Do you remember that, Drew? I do. I don't remember which guest at this point. Uh, it was a guy that uh, Gosh, that was like episode four. Was it May? It was, was it Don. Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We pretty much do whatever Don yeah. says. He's he's kind of a big deal. True, true story. <laughs> Very true story. good, like blueprint from life. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. What a great chat with Mike and Eric. Wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, those guys obviously are a reason for their success. And I think everything they talked about, the one thing we didn't mention while we were talking is that their commitment to product obviously starts from the top. Well, all of it, right? If, if you think about it, the, the people product process as their culture, and then that they have, because process is there, they have processes built in to make sure that all of those things happen. It absolutely starts with Alan and just pushes all the way down. And it's just really, a, really nice to see. I've worked with Mike and Eric for a long time. Mike was never on my team, but I did some training with him, but Eric was on my team probably about 10 years ago now. Yeah. And it's nice to see that, that they're doing things that, that you and I preach. We talk about training our team members and giving them the skills and knowledge they need. And it's nice to see that they are investing in those kinds of things heavily. And that's what allowed them to acquire that market that had 30% 30% of the stores that they acquired with no managers and allowed them to fill those gaps and not continue to make the customers in those areas suffer the way they probably were suffering prior to their acquisition. So it's really nice to hear that people outside of your and I's circle are promoting training and how important it really is. Absolutely. And speaking of how important things are, let's wrap this up. This has been another fabulous episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. If you haven't already, like us, follow us, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, put it on a piece of paper, wrap it on a rock and throw it around the neighborhood. See what happens. Do whatever you need to do to get more people to listen to Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. I am Sam with Fowser Consulting, picturing rocks going through windows with your and my name on them. So thank you for that. I know, right? You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's not actually do that. That was sarcasm. I think we've talked about, you know, pigeons and carrier hawks or something. That is true. Hey, uh, do you think our listeners uh, should go out and sell more pizza? And have more fun. Bye bye. Woo, see ya.